Welcome to Buy My Telingual today. My name is Elizabeth Aitai and I'm your host. Today's guest is a Polish-born Canadian-raised artist and designer residing in Oakland, California. She is the co-founder of Dana Space, a creative services agency and photo-video studio she runs with her husband Dan. In her free time, she can be found exploring the vast geography of California, rock hunting and likely enjoying the views from atop of a mountain. Thanks for being on the podcast. Yay! <laughs> Thanks for having me. As I always start um, by asking you to first introduce yourself, please, um, with your name and then tell us which country you are from and where you currently reside. Okay, my name is Hannah Simmons. I was born in Poland and I currently live in Oakland, uh, California, USA. Yay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's important to mention that your last name was different before. Yes, I married an American. My maiden name is Kunish. You were born in Poland. At what age did you relocate? around two years old mm -hmm. two years old to Italy and then from Italy to Canada how come may I ask oh uh, you know communism <laughs> yeah. I didn't make this decision obviously I was too young to decide anything to do with my life at this point but my parents left Poland because of communism and because life was just really difficult during the 80s um so my dad's uncle, or sorry, my dad's brother, my uncle, he's an engineer and he was working on his ship and they were crossing the Atlantic from, from Poland and they were docking in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And uh, it's a romantic story. He's in his white like Marine uniform and, you know, they, they're docking and he gets off the ship and there's a woman standing in the marina and she sees him and their eyes lock and it was love at first sight. And, you know, now they're happily married and have five children. But it was because of that incident, my uncle was able to sort of be like a crossover for my parents and I to be able to immigrate into Canada. So it's thanks to him that we were just able to go on over there and uh, become citizens. That's a really beautiful story and very special. Yeah. <laughs> so Italy was like a stopover point to get out of Poland and then wait for our all our paperwork to clear while we were there. Mm -hmm. And um, how many languages do you speak? Currently two, just two. Polish and English. Um, I did speak Italian when I was living there. And as soon as we came to Canada, I had to learn English. And it's, without the practice of keeping it up at home, it left my brain. And how long were you in Italy for? Around a year. It wasn't very long. Okay, okay. got it. And what about your Polish skills? Like, do you still keep them alive? Do you communicate with your parents in Polish or mixed? Um... Yeah, I, ideally in Polish. I um. As I age, you know, grand grandparents are no longer around in my life. My own grandma, who's both of them are Polish, uh, both sets of parents and my grandparents. So within like immediate family, I speak Polish and I try exclusively to only speak Polish to my parents. So I don't lose the language. Of course, there's some slip ups even on their end. And uh, my one grandma who's still with us, it's, it is Polish. She speaks two languages, Polish and German. And I know a little bit of German. I used to study it in university. Um, and then just from 
summer visits over there, but I try to keep my Polish language alive as much as I can with family. And, and if I have any close friends that are Polish, which are few and far between in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. And do you read as well in Polish at times or listening to media? Uh, I should. I don't enough. Uh, I will read like little articles here and there online, but I'm not currently reading any any novels or print materials within Polish, but uh, I try to practice it, but it's more on a casual basis. I'm not, it's not a habit. Mm-hmm. I'd like to circle back to what you said about Italy, mm-hmm. because you said that you were speaking Italian um, while there, but you were two years old now. Why I'm asking is because I, this is a statement of mine, a thesis, that if you speak multiple languages, you are becoming aware at a much earlier stage in life. Now, I'm curious whether you actually really recall you having spoken Italian and then being dropped into this new world at the age of three. I don't remember. Uh, It was around probably three, a little over three at this point, because we ended up in... Canada and Nova Scotia it was winter I remember that and like it was one of my first memories was entering the daycare because my parents had to work they're you know they're immigrants trying to get by and support the family so I had to go to daycare and I don't remember there being a language barrier at first but I remember like seeing everything through this is a funny memory for me um It was wrapped up in like a giant snowsuit for the first time in my life. So I remember being like really uncomfortable, this, you know, little child, like enveloped in layers of like snow pants and giant boots and coming from Italy. It's like, what is this? So not only was there this like new language, which I didn't understand, but it was like this uncomfortable bundled up winter clothing situation that I was unfamiliar with and seeing the daycare through like, I remember having a scarf all the way up to my eyes because it was so cold. So all I had was, you know, like there's a hat and on the hat was a hood and then the scarf. So I just had this like slit for my eyes. And that was my like first vision. My first cognitive memory of the English language was seeing it through this like narrow tunnel of visibility. And that was just kind of, you know, the shock and my mom said that like I just started conversing with everyone in Italian and the switch of speaking going from Italian to speaking English happened within a few days she's like you came home and just started talking about Santa Claus and because it was right around Christmas that we showed up yeah and I don't I don't remember that and do you remember how I was growing up then would you speak with your parents Polish only or uh, would they catch up to the English language? Um, Would you guys mix? So definitely we would mix. They were learning English and my mom was trying to teach me to read. I was, uh, you brought this up of like having more awareness, I think, or right, Uh, learning multiple language. So I was really quick to pick up on reading. I think I was reading at, you know, just a little over three, we would like open books and she would read to me and I would correct her. I'm like, no, 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 this is how you say it. This is what this word means. Um, So there was a little bit of back and forth. And then there came a point, and I don't recall this. Well, I do a little bit where I was mixing English and Polish and I was asking for a peach and I was saying daimi peach, which is like daimi is give me in Polish, but I was saying peach as in the fruit. This was, you know, six months into our time in Canada and in Polish peach means drink. And we were 
coming back from the grocery store and my mom was like, I don't have a drink, but I'm like, but you have a peach. There's peaches in the bag. Why can't I have a peach? And she's like, I don't have a peach. And, you know, we figured it out by the time we got home. I'm like, this is what I wanted, mom. I wanted this fruit. She's like, oh, you wanted a Josefina, which is peach in Polish. And then I started laughing and she's like, what's so funny? And I say, well, you sound funny. And then she goes, now you're going to Polish school. So at that point, my Saturdays, I think it was just a Saturday class uh, for years, years and years. I I went to Polish school and they sent me back to Poland for summers um, so that I picked up the language again because I was forgetting to speak it. And what age uh, were you at? This, this was before four, like when I started laughing. And so I went to Polish school. I went to Poland when I was five for the summer. I came back and again, there was like a barrier of entry into the English language because I was speaking Polish fluently in Poland for three months. So yeah, and they're not the same language family. So it's really not at all. Switching from Slavic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I ask a little bit differently this question. When you were coming and going from between Poland and Canada, did the hierarchy in language constantly switch? Like you went to Poland, then Polish took over, and then you went back to Canada, and then English became the dominant language. Correct. Yeah. It was whatever language I was surrounded by within my environment is the one that I would speak. Mm-hmm. How was it for you? Like sw- switching over? I don't remember having any anxieties or insecurities about it. It was like, sorry, I'm just, I'm I'm thinking and like trying to dig through the cobwebs here. I don't remember it ever being an issue in school, like coming back into Canada and, you know, starting, starting daycare, going into kindergarten um, or grade school after a summer trip to Poland. Um, however... I remember when I was going to Poland for the first time, it was, I went by myself uh, and I was five to see my grandma. And I was worried then I'm like, what if we don't understand each other? And what if we don't recognize one another? I had a steward with me, you know, taking care of me, making sure I was handed off. So it wasn't this like, this was still, this was the early nineties at this point, but you know, I had an escort from the moment I left my parents to the moment I was handed off to my grandma. I think that was a moment of fear and uncertainty and anxiety as a child of like, will she recognize me? Will we understand one another? And then as soon as she saw me, she recognized me and like all those fears dissipated completely. It's really, really brave, like traveling at the age of five. And it's not like a two hour flight. It's seven hours, six. From from Halifax, I think it was a, well, there was a layover in Heathrow. So that's about a five hour flight. And then another three or so yeah so it's a, it's a full day but you know your escorts will buy you whatever you want so that you're comfortable and then your parents get the bill <laughs> which I didn't know um so I got a lot of candy and one of the most expensive airports in the world <laughs> how long did you do this for these summer sorry I call them summer camps but these summer vacations yeah. Polish summer camp. Uh, There was the one when I was five. And then I went back with my mom as we would switch off, right? Like my my grandma or grandparents would come visit us. And then we would, so it was a back and forth. Uh, So when when I was five, I did solo. Then my grandma came to us. And then again, I was either eight or nine. And I went with my mom this time. And then after that, uh, those trips happened more regularly from like the age of, I think, 11, 11 to 
12 to 16, I would go consistently every summer. And then again, my grandparents would come visit us and then college started or university. So that's kind of when, um, when those trips broke off, just because studying became a lot more intense and paying for school and summer camps or summer jobs, not camps, working at summer camps, but see you guys ahead. Right now, which language do you feel most comfortable with? English. Was there ever a time when you felt more comfortable conversing in Polish? Yeah, always with my, always with family. Um, even with my parents who speak fluent English, there's, it's like a comfort and like the the familiar, even though I speak English better than Polish. It's the strange, like a resistance to speak English with my parents, because there's a part of me that wants to keep that language alive and my opportunities to speak it with other people are so limited that, yeah, there's that comfort, but there's also every so often, and I can't think of an example right now, but I'm like missing a word in English that exists in Polish. And I think it's usually around like the expression of emotion or feeling um, and vice versa too. It happens as well. So does that answer your question? Yeah. And it's, uh, it's very nice that you mentioned um, that some words related to emotions you find them more easily in Polish because that would have been the next question. Like what language do you feel comfortable in expressing emotional states? Well, only English because my vocabulary for it is larger. Mm. There was a moment when I was applying to college and my parents were suggesting going to school in Poland because it would be much more affordable. You know, it'd save money. It would be an experience. Um, And I was like, there's a, there's a point to this. It's not just a random story. But I was like, well, I would be uncomfortable with that because I'd have to go to like advanced Polish classes for at least six months to a year so that I can write like proper essays, theoretical essays within the Polish language. And I'm limited on those more advanced vocabularies within Polish. So yeah, that's the only reason English is more more comfortable to me is just because I've I've mastered it. I've been speaking it fluently and you know 95% of my life at this point Mm -hmm. what are those um, words you were referring to I wonder if it's like like really like a very intense emotions sometimes if I get into an argument with my husband I'll just start saying things in Polish Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's not in that case it's not because like oh he can't understand me it's like I go back to my native tongue. I don't know if it's because it it just feels more emotional because it's my native tongue. It's my first language. It has more of a historical context to me. And I feel like, I don't know, maybe there's a bit of like a veil or a curtain of like, you don't really know what I'm saying. So it allows me to express myself more. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that really like that makes sense. It's hard to hard to describe. It does, because you can't be brutally insulting, and he doesn't understand. <laughs> so, so you can just let off your steam, and yeah. it's all good still. Cause yeah, it's all, exactly. Yeah, it's having, I think, the opportunity to reach a little deeper in the feelings, and having a limit of understanding from, like, the party that's receiving it, kind of, like, lets you, generally you, but I'm talking about me, lets me enter I think like a deeper emotional space and it's not about the vocabulary here it's just about accessing feelings and the same thing can be with joy and happiness it doesn't have to all be you know it's not all about negativity oh sure of course not 
Have you ever dreamt in Polish? Do you dream at all? Some people don't dream, don't recall their dreams. I dream. Uh, I can't recall every dream I have every night. And sometimes I have moments and sometimes I can recall the whole or what I think is the whole dream. But mostly, mostly it's in English, I think. Sometimes I even wonder, I'm like, do I even dream in words? Or is it all just like a silent moving picture? Because I can't always recall the dialogues. Um, It's more about the visual impressions for me. But from what I can remember, when I dream in Polish, it's rare. And it only happens when I have elongated moments of being within the language, like fully submersed. So whether I'm in Poland and I'm with family and I'm only speaking Polish, that's when Polish starts coming back into my like subconscious dream state. But normally it's English just because I'm wrapped around it. And when it comes to memories, um, is there a divide as well? Yeah, there's definitely a, a divide in, in memories and like re- recollection. And again, I think like when I sit with the emotional state of a memory, sometimes like either the memory or the the feeling of it comes to me in in Polish but it's not predominantly Polish it's just these little like little windows where that does happen so when you think of your summers as a child or a young adult in Poland uh, if you talk about those memories do you have to translate them from Polish into English or no only if it's specifically like dialogues that I'm recalling okay. but I think similar to like how I explain my dreams, I I remember more in pictures and feelings than I and like language comes later. That's not the first, I don't know, definition, the first recollection. Or aspect of. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, a it's all it's layered for me, right? And the language is like a third, a third layer in a very layered cake. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Because it's uh, yeah, okay. I mean you're you have also a creative mind. Yeah, I think it's part of being an artist and, you know, I, I'm a designer mostly now. So that's like my world is very visual. And although I like, I respect and, you know, love language and typography and the history of lettering and words and the semantics, it's still like when I see letters, even and when I look at language, I'm analyzing the form and the shape and the the width of the stroke and the arches and the tails and like you know all the characteristics of a letter. Um, so I think that's just the way that my my brain has developed and slash been programmed. Programmed is a nice word. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of both. <laughs> Do you fear the word of uh, the language of Polish and English, and how is it different if you fear that? What do you mean by rhythm? I mean, uh, intonation, pace. Okay, cadence. Yeah. When I hear English and when I hear Polish, I hear two very different sounding languages. And I notice this when I come back to visit my parents. They live in, in Canada still and I'm in the U.S., I'm always like, mom, why are you talking so loud? And she's like, this is just how I talk. This is just how it is. And like being within Poland, whenever I'm there visiting, it feels like it's more of this like nice flowing river. 
And English feels like stark and choppy. And even though there's different dialects of both languages, right? Like you have different accents. I just came back from Canada and, you know, I pick up on a Canadian accent when I'm over there. I hear it now that I'm I'm not living there anymore. Um, and even so, like English just has a completely different feeling. And like you're saying, rhythm for sure in terms of the cadence and the structure of the language and like the, the cuz and the t's. And Polish has a lot more like rolling R's and L's and O's and sh's and zh's. It's also a, a very hard language in some cases, the way it sounds. But I think overall, it does flow a little more romantically. That's interesting because for me, from the outside, it sounds a little harsher. Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah. And how about a Canadian English? Because you said you just came back from there. Uh, they uh, like to insert use right i think it takes after the british so like neighborhood um has an, an a unit a color another word labor yeah and so i think that because that you is there um you get the a, a boat a boat instead of about a boat those little like nuances it's not too far off but it's like enough there like elongated a's and yeah, I remember when I first moved to San Francisco for grad school where I met you, my first trip back home over Christmas holidays or winter holidays, I came back and my roommates were like, Hannah, you sound Canadian again. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> like you're saying dragon and about and um, yeah. And now I go and I hear it. And at that time, I couldn't. Do you find it amusing? Is it um, alienating to you? I think it's hilarious. I think it's funny because like I've deciphered it now. I've like gotten the ear to pick it up, right? And before I couldn't. And I don't know what I sound like now because I just got back from Canada. But, you know, maybe if we were to have this podcast meeting in another month or two, my my accent might switch a little again that chameleon right I think that happens naturally yeah. as people are like enveloped in a language and a culture does your personality change in any way when you speak Polish I think so I, I think it's you know being able to express yourself right and when you have a limitation on language then there's some insecurities that could come up or confusion between you and the party that you're speaking and so that can create tension, um, which affects like your emotional qualities and your state. You know, if you're, if you have a barrier of entry to speaking, which, which I do in some cases with Polish, I would say my level of Polish is elementary. Like I speak like a fourth grader, for example. So if I were to like try and interject myself in a more intellectual conversation or go to a lecture, um, that would be challenging for me even reading polish material sometimes i need a dictionary a translator to be able to like pick up what certain words mean and when i visit my parents and i speak polish they i ask them multiple times a day can you just explain this to me i don't understand this word so just all those little nuances can make you feel separation versus being able to like master a language and fully express yourself and your ideas and, you know, things that are a little bit more abstract uh, so that can make you feel more confident, more in tune, um, more relatable with the party that you're speaking with. So definitely, yeah. Do you take away anything from these situations where you're not in a position where you can fully express yourself? 
so there's some shame, right? There's definitely shame in terms of like, I can't express myself in Polish. I can't communicate properly. I wish I knew the language more. So those are like negative self thoughts that I try not to dwell on too much because they're not insanely productive and turning that into an action or an opportunity to learn or yeah, just ways to engage with the language more. So if if I take away anything, I hope it's something positive, even if it means being in an uncomfortable situation. I don't take away like negative feelings. I try not to. Yeah, and you should not, you know. Right? It's, yeah, nobody should. No, I also meant, you know, um, in terms of where you're in the world and where we all are in the world. And because migration is always such an issue. And yeah. if I speak for myself, like, I get to understand migrants better. And I, I think it humbled me a little bit. All these many situations I exposed myself to. Yes. You know, like not being able to say what you want to say. But knowing that you have the capabilities and and you know right. and the intelligence, yeah, it's really yeah, it's frustrating, but it also humbles you. And um, uh, no, absolutely. And I've you know I've seen this with my own parents, like facing discrimination in the workplace or with colleagues of like, oh, you don't speak perfect English or you have an accent, and you know they live in Toronto, which is the most multicultural, most diversity in the entire world right now, I think still. So you're used to being in an environment where like everyone feels like a minority and everyone, almost everyone there has an accent. And it's like you, it's taught me patience and humbleness and curiosity. I love that I spent, you know, 15 years living in Toronto because it really like, I love hearing languages. I love like the challenge of not being able to understand someone or having uh, limitations with language. Like you said, your your parents were discriminated. Yeah. Yeah, just because of coming from somewhere, and especially when we lived in Nova Scotia, because there, mostly everyone, you know, was like fourth, fifth generation Canadians. At the time when I was there, and then this was in the 90s, the early 90s, um, early to mid 90s. I remember even being in school, like in third grade and people saying, students, children asking me where I was from or where I was born. It was a common question. I would say Poland and they would say, where is that? What is that? So that I think over there, especially they felt more, more cases of discrimination and growing up with immigrant parents and being in a household where I would, you know, hear about this, see the effects of it, um, see the anxiety that it created for them, um, just created like some more compassion for me to be able like like you to be humble and to be compassionate and patient and kind with people that are, are not native to a, a country that aren't born here that I mean no one's really everyone's from somewhere else right now we don't owe the land right no no and I think a lot of times people do do forget that and that's like a whole other conversation on privilege but uh I think that every language is unique and I think it's a celebration and it's something that we should all be optimistic and graceful and kind about have you felt um, being treated differently in Poland versus the U.S. versus Canada? When I'm in Poland and they ask, like, where am I from? Because they can, even with my parents now, we've been, they immigrated. Uh, how long have they been in, in Canada for? It's been like 25, over 25 years, going 30, 
35. It's been a long time. Um, But now they have a Polish accent when they go to Poland, people recognize it. And there is definitely a judgment when they hear where we're living. You said they have a Polish accent. They have a Canadian accent. They have a both. So they don't speak Polish the same way now as they did when uh, they were living there. They've picked up a little bit of a, I think, I guess, a twang in their language. Um, And so when I go back to visit with my parents, uh, like, you know, people that we come across within the street at a restaurant, at at a bar, a bartender will pick it up and they'll say, where are you from? Because you sound different. And you tell them, and there is like what feels a little bit, again, like a bit of a, a judgment or a question. Some people get really excited and they want to know more about the country you're living in. And other people have a bit of like a hostility towards you. It's like, why did you leave? Why did you go away? Why didn't you stay? You know, that's a complex conversation. Yeah. It might also have to do with Polish history, right? Yep. Yep. What would you say, how important is language for the sense of culturally belonging to a place? Language in terms of culturally belonging to a place. I mean, I've seen it in Toronto more than anywhere where you have people that barely speak any English and they just keep their native tongue and they manage to get by by staying within communities of their same culture. But I feel like it doesn't allow you to really fully submerse yourself in the culture, right? If I go and I travel somewhere as a tourist, I'm I'm just going to use Mexico as an example. I don't speak Mexican, um or spanish so not being able to converse with the people that live in the country just it creates a it creates a barrier it's you can't talk with them and not being able to speak not having a a language where you can you know have a dialogue with somebody else is definitely preventing you from hearing about the stories hearing about their personal experiences and that's people make the culture and if you can't explain it or engage with it absorb it then I think that you you can still experience the culture but it's coming from a limited point it's coming from a perspective that um it's not fully submersed in it maybe also it's a more superficial perspective because you mentioned the stories and the stories are really important just like the fairy tales are I think so. Other people disagree, right? Other people just want to see the sights, see the Eiffel Tower, go to the Louvre, have a baguette and move on. Yeah, but that's tourism, <laughs> right? We're talking about living. So uh, that's a huge difference, I think. Uh, whether you live in a place and speak the language versus you don't speak it. And then again, how is the place defined? Has it a colonial past like Canada? Right. Where I don't even know. Do you have a state language? English and then French the second. Yeah, I want to say English is official, but maybe maybe it isn't because it's not, you know, English people came from England. They weren't the original peoples of Canada. So that that should be the language, but it isn't. Do you feel you belong to the US? No. <laughs> no. No, that came out as a surprise. No, okay. no, I don't feel like I belong here because I have a green card. And um, this is something I'm like uncovering. I don't fully know the answer of, but I am, um, I, I, I don't have a citizenship. I have a few years to 
decide whether I want to apply for U.S. citizenship or just stay on a green card. And I think that's part of the reason why I don't necessarily feel like I belong because I'm not a full-blown citizen. I can't vote. And uh, it's just personal reasons too within like what's happening within the politics here. And I think like having the option of the safety of Canada, even though it has its own problems, um, that's a that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah. Would you say you're a migrant? Yes. You know, leaving from Poland to Canada and then coming from Canada to the U.S. and staying here, even though it's the same language, Canada and, and America, there is still a, a, a difference in, you know, cultures and perspectives. It's interesting you point that out because we talk about language, right, and cultural belonging, but then even right. within the language family, there are just so harsh cultural contrasts at times. Yeah, the Bay Area is very different from Toronto in a lot of ways. And Toronto is slightly becoming a little bit more tech, especially over the last like five, five to 10 years. Uh, the presence of the, the tech industry there has like exploded. Um, so maybe it's becoming a little closer to what the Bay Area is. I'm not equipped to say, but yeah, it's it's kind of strange being here and going back to visit because so much time has passed now. I've been living in the U.S. for 12 years, I think. Um, and it's long enough to like go back to Toronto, which I consider home or a second home to see and feel the the differences. It just feels like a it's the same, but it's different. That's just what time does, right? Yeah, time and memory and perception. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and change. People are constantly changing and evolving into new chapters of their lives. Yeah. What do you think of the idea of a universal language? I don't think it's a great idea. And I think it failed. You know, we tried it with Latin once upon a time in the European world. And uh, that didn't stick. And then there was, is it Esperanza? Toronto? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that never took off. And I feel like if you try to homogenize language, then like, why? <laughs> language is such a huge part of identity. If it happened naturally... Yeah, it would be so difficult to be able to manage something like that on a global scale at this point in our history. It's, yeah, I think it could be very helpful in terms of things like business, right? And global communications. We have that already, right? With English. Exactly. There's usually somebody on the team that speaks English, no matter where you are in the world. But I don't think it should be forced. And it definitely makes makes traveling easier and and like I said business in some cases but uh I I just can't imagine like you know what if all of a sudden we switch to let's say French just as an example then I don't know it would feel like a loss of identity and a loss of of culture I don't mean a forceful change of language you know mm -hmm. we just all I don't know what that la what language that would be. Maybe we will converse in numbers one day only. You know? Yeah, no, I mean that is the universal language, right? Mathematics. Actually, yes. Zeros and ones and engineers, right? They speak in code. Maybe we just will speak Java. <laughs> that's <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> Python. That's good. Yeah, no, thank you. There's like a, there's a limit to that as well. You can access like different numericals and, uh, but I think, yeah, there's no emotional quality 
or not that I I don't speak Python or Java fluently. Do you ever use Polish to somehow um, widen your knowledge or the perspective in your everyday life? Does it have any kind of presence like that? Uh, it doesn't happen instinctually. Only again when I'm in Poland. I noticed this when I was there this last winter. I was there for the month of February and I was trying to find something on Google, right? And something about the the privacy laws or the internet laws or I don't know what it was, but I couldn't access information, the same information when I wrote it in English as I did in Polish. So that's when the switch happened. And I don't necessarily use Polish to like try to enter something unless it's specifically trying to find something within Poland or within Polish culture. Makes sense. Yeah. I don't have any more questions. If you, there's anything you'd like to add, now is the moment. Now is the moment. Oh, well, yeah, sure. Uh, one one quick thing that I always thought was interesting is, so I brought this up earlier when I was talking about living in Nova Scotia and, you know, children asking me where I was from. Um, this happened this happens in, in Toronto. And I, like, I, you know, when I went back to visit one summer, um, I was just roller skating, minding my own business. And this little girl comes up to me and she's like, wow, that's so, so cool. What's your name? Where are you from? And I'm like, well, I'm from, I live in the U S and she was like, no, but where are you from? And I, re I forgot that this was, this was a thing back in, in Toronto, but nobody really introduces themselves as like, I'm Canadian. It's like, I'm Polish Canadian, if you're a citizen, right? Or I'm French Canadian, or I'm African Canadian, or I'm Chinese Canadian. So it's because the city is so multicultural, which I think is like really fascinating, is people introduce themselves as coming from their, their origin of birth, their place of birth first. Oh, that, that is really an interesting point of view, because that's what I'm always kind of critiquing, meanwhile, about the US. It's this lack yeah. of reflection about people who are being called and marked themselves centuries ago as white. Right. In the US, this consciousness is not there anymore. No, no, no. This is another topic again. Yeah. <laughs> We need offshoots for this episode. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for creating this space uh, to speak my stories, share them and share them with you. And thanks for doing this wonderful project. It's really special and I hope that it uh, gives insight. It does. Thanks. Thank you very much for joining us today again. As always, I'm really grateful for you listening to this podcast and my guests' stories. To learn more about Hannah's work, please visit her website, danaspace.com. Until next time, be well.